Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Texas Outlaw Running Talk Show. This is your host, Briston Reigns. And today, we're going to be talking about all the wild stories, experiences, and things you didn't know that happened this year behind the scenes race directing. Asher Hamlin will be joining us. He's the Vice President and Arkansas Division Race Director for Texas Outlaw Running Company. He had been the co-race director at every race this year, so I'm excited to have him on. Before we hop into it, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, feel free to go ahead and scroll down and leave us a rating. Let us know what you think about the show. And also, we're going to be collaborating with Team Dirt and Vert March 26th to put on the inaugural Ramble in the Brambles trail run in Munster, Texas at the 4R Ranch and Winery. It's a scenic 9-mile, 19-mile, and 20-mile trail run right on the Red River of North Texas. For more info on that, just go to texasoutlawrunning.com slash races and click the race info tab for Ramble in the Brambles. Now that's pretty much everything as far as race announcements go. Um, now to the show. Get ready because it gets very interesting. Hey everyone, I'm with Asher Hamlin. Asher is one of my best friends. He's now my roommate in college. He's my teammate on the cross-country team at Southern Arkansas University. And this year has been crazy. We're going to talk a little bit about everything that we did this year um, for Texas Outlaw Running. And Asher has been there for every single race, except for one at the very end, a little one at the end, but he's been there at every single race and he's a big part of helping all these events happen and he's been a big part of it all. So Ashley, you want to tell them a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I met Briston uh, last year, 2020, right? In the fall of 2020, he was a freshman on our cross country team. And yeah, we just, we kind of hit it off and we had a lot of the same interests, especially when it came to the ultra running community and the trail running community and, you know, propping that up. And so whenever he started to run with the business, I guess, you know, it sparked my interest. I was like, well, if I'm going to be this guy's friend and, you know, he's got all these crazy ideas, how do I help him, you know, the best along the way. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been an adventure being there for, um, four races now, I believe four of the big races. And, um, I mean, everyone as, you'll as we'll get into more into the uh, podcast has been you know unique in its own way and i think that's what's made it so awesome is just you know each one has presented its own adventure its own you know whatever but yeah i'm uh so a little bit more about me i'm a, a rising senior at southern arkansas university and um i'm a runner obviously long time runner running has <laughs> always been one of my passions uh I think in the future, I'd, I would like to continue to do something with running, whether that's through Texas Outlaw or, you know, starting my own ventures or, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited to have you on, man. I was excited for this because it's going to be fun. And to go off kind of what you said, yeah, each race that we did was its own story. It's it's, it's like, in a way, its own book, each race that we did. And right. bo- and all of them had something that something that happened that was unexpected. Something. Yeah, and something yeah. that you couldn't plan for. It was all there is always something. So, um, we'll go ahead and start it off with kind of the beginning of the year. The beginning of the year was my second semester of college, and I was just kind of in the planning phase for races. So we didn't have a first race until May eighth, I think, and that was the Chupacabra fifty k over in Quanta, Texas. That's West Texas. And that was the first race of the year. That was my second race I've ever put on. And it was the first trail race we put on. And so 
asked her, I was like, dude, I really need some help. It would be great if you could come out. And I remember we were in the cafeteria whenever I was asking him if he could come help. And I was like, dude, I'll fly you out because he lives in Little Rock. And I was like, I'll fly you out to Dallas and we will um, go and put this race on. And he was like, sure, dude, let's do it. So anyways, we go and um, we kind of we I think we left on like a Tuesday or something, but I had just gotten the trailer. Now, the trailer uh, I had gotten it like the day before or something and had it wrapped with the logo and everything on it. And so I was pretty stoked about that. But it was like, I remember we got a pizza. We like took the trailer and we, we drove it through town and then we got like a big old pizza. Um, and then we started driving to Quanta, just eating this large, like it was this massive pizza the whole time there. And it was like yeah. a four hour drive or something, right? It was a, yeah. That was a good start to the day, especially because I'd had that long flight and it was like, boom, we're eating and we're on the road. Like, yeah. And yeah, Bristol was just. Yeah, it was all on in one day, I think, whenever I picked you up from the plane, then we left. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we went out there and it was like a couple hour drive and like West Texas is pretty crazy. It's a bunch of windmills, a bunch of dry. It's really dry land out there and it's like nothing out there. And so when we were driving right. out there, I haven't I had never actually seen the state park before and because like before all i did i had google maps google earth i had all trails i had all these different resources and i never actually like knew what it looked like for sure and i just knew from pictures and stuff and from race planning what it was and when we went out there it was like all dry and flat and then we get there and it's like beautiful there's these canyons there's like this big canyon that runs through the state park called bull canyon and um it was just like real it was like this little hidden gym. We kept on using that term after it was yep. this hidden hidden gym in the middle of West Texas. It was just outside of Wichita Falls. And um it was a really and it's an international dark sky park. So I was I was stoked because at night I knew it was gonna be, you know, phenomenal and beautiful outside or at night. And it was. So we we'll, we'll go ahead and go first day. All the way till we packed up and left. First day we got there, we did some course marking. We we're taking pictures. We were just like absorbing it all in. I was like, man, this this place is amazing. How how have we not been on a race here before? Or how how has no one ever put on a race here before? And so we did some course marking. And I, this is all on video, by the way. Um, it's called I forgot. It's on my YouTube channel, Briston Rains. If you want to check it out, guys. But we recorded this whole adventure. Um, anyways, we did some course marking and then we set up camp and we slept in a tent for like four nights and at night it was beautiful. This, the sky at night, you could see stars. There was like maybe a centimeter in between each star, but the entire sky was just full of stars and it was so beautiful. And, um, and then the next day we were in for it, man. We, I think we did a lot of course marking and a little bit of setup, but man, it wore us down. We were out there all day for like 10 hours straight, probably just course marking, setting up, doing all kinds of stuff. And then to correct me if I'm wrong, was that the day that it was super windy? Us having to deal with like the tents and the. No, that wasn't until the, that wasn't until the day before the race. Okay. Yeah. That was Friday. So I think we're on like Thursday. Thursday. We got there Wednesday. So we're on Thursday. And then Friday was crazy. The wind was going crazy. West Texas wind. If you've ever been to West Texas, it's like 20, 30 mile, 40 mile per hour wind. It was pretty crazy out there. And so we were setting up tents and stuff and we were staking them into the ground and like we had them angled against the wind. And then we had, it was just, I don't know how none of the tents broke, honestly. They actually all stayed up and none of them broke. Um, 
But that day was, we were exhausted by the the end of Friday because we went out and there's this one aid station. It's called the Lone Ranger Aid Station. And we went out there and it's like a mile hike up this huge like cliff area. And we had to carry like this big old table, a bunch of water coolers and all of that. And that's also the first time we met our photographer and videographer guys, Josh and Cole. Um, they're with Reroute Media, and they I found them on Facebook, and we um, connected and stuff. And those guys are the same age as Asher and I. They're around the same age. They're a little bit older. But um, that's the day we saw them or met them, and they were really cool guys. And it was really cool to connect with them. And it honestly was like a lifelong friendship that we made with them. But And there's a lot more uh, stories of them as we go on with this. But, um, yeah, so we put out the aid station. I just remember coming back and we had like a hammock or something set up and we were just exhausted. We were just like laying out and it was hot. I remember it was like 80, 90 degrees, but the weather was really great at night. It was like 50 degrees at night and then it only gets 70, 80 degrees in the afternoon. But the day of the race, the low was like 70 and the high was like 95 or something. And out of all days, the day of the race was like extremely hot. But, uh, we woke up. Oh, actually the night before the race, I woke up at like 4 a.m. And I don't know if you remember this last year, but I, I looked up in the sky and I saw this line of lights. It was like 50 of them and they were just going. And I was like, Asher, bro. I woke him up. I was like, Asher. I was like, what is that? And we looked at them. It looked like UFOs. I thought it was UFOs. And it was like hundreds of, it was like a line of lights in like an outer space just going across the atmosphere. And I mean, the night was beautiful, but it threw me off and I thought it was like an alien or something. Um, but we woke up the next morning and I actually looked it up and it was Elon Musk is his Starlink satellites. So it wasn't UFOs. I thought it was, I thought I had a story there, but <laughs> yeah, he, it was just person. You turned over to me in the middle of the night. You're like, Asher, there's like aliens up in the night sky right now. I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? There's no way. And so this whole time, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm like seeing this line of stars. And so I, I think I looked it up that night and I found out that it was the Starlink satellites. Oh yeah. So, yeah, yeah. 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 We figured out where it's averted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of people that think those are like UFOs and stuff, but yeah. Um, am I missing anything so far? I think I pretty much, I you're good, man. Yeah. man I, I can't get over the night sky though. It really was so pretty there. Like it's the yeah. international dark sky park. And it was just from, each end of the atmosphere, like you look to the left, to the right, it's just everything's covered in stars. You can see the Milky Way. Yep. It was awesome. Uh, race day came around, and I was nervous and excited. I was very excited. We woke up at like 4 a.m. or something, and um, woke up out of our campsite, went over, and um, I just remember and th- this race wasn't huge. Luckily, I'm glad it wasn't huge. It was only like, what, 30 people. Yeah, Something like that. Yeah, it was like around 30 people. And so we, you know, have packet pickup going on and I'm pretty excited. And we knew the course markings, like we ran the course quite a few times. And so we knew the course markings were like spot on. And so that's the biggest thing as a race director, just like hoping like everyone goes the right way, I guess. That's the biggest stress I have. And yeah. so... I mean, the course markings were good, though. And so we started off the race, started the 50K off, and then the 17K. It was just those two distances. And then it was just kind of like holding your breath, hoping people would come back and not be coming back on the road or something. And so anyways, but, you know, people started coming back from the 50K loop, and then 17K finishers came. And it was just a really good race, but the heat the heat got really hot. 
as the day went on though um but we so oh also a lot of, another part when we were course marking when you go into th th this place is just amazing so like one one mo moment you're in like an open desert and then next if you go to the floor of the canyon which the runners go through it's like this huge canyon but when you go through the floor it's like a forest and then when you come out it's like a desert and so you just kind of get all of the biomes kind of all in one so course marking was a lot of fun it was like a safari adventure mm -hmm. saw a bunch of cool lizards and stuff out there but um <laughs> Yeah, it was just, it went really good. I think, I do think one or two people got lost. And so this was my first time kind of making course markings. I didn't really know what to do. And I just had like these little half sheet white pieces of paper. And so like, they're not, they're not, they're, they're visible. If you look for them, you can see them. But I could see where someone could, you know, glance over and not see it or something. So anyways, though, but um, everyone finished. We had one guy at DNF and then I think one or two people got lost um, and they ended up finding their way back. And then that day we like, I remember we like packed up and the photographers helped us pack up and man, we packed up quick. We, for the course markings, we went and we like sprinted. I remember looking down at my watch, it was like 650 pace and we were like running to get all the course markings packed up, got all the course markings and then two weeks and then we cleaned up and everything. And then we headed out and that, honestly, that was a lot of fun. Like that race was just fun and there wasn't really anything bad that happened. It was just a good overall race. Yep. And two weeks later was the East Texas Ultra. So it was interesting to go from complete desert to the pine trees and the foothills of the Washington That was an interesting transition. We actually had one guy that ran the Chupacabra and the East Te Texas Ultra race. So he got to experience both of those races within two weeks, which was cool. But for the East Texas Ultra, um, Asher, he was driving me down from Fayetteville because we were living in Fayetteville, Arkansas at the time. Or about, I was about to move in um, after this race, but Asher was already living there. He drove down from Fayetteville, Arkansas, and he came down the day or the day before the race, but I was already setting up two or three days out. And this race was the biggest race I put on all year. It was 100 people. It sold out. It was big. And it was this four and a half mile loop or this 4.1 something mile loop. It was, it was a really easy course to course mark, but you know, I went out there course marked and, um, Ashley came Friday and I pretty much had everything set up. We had to set up like a 10 or something. And then that's the first time I got us like a hotel room. So we got to actually sleep yeah. um, in a place that's not, you know, in a tent. And so I got Josh Cole, Asher and I, we all got a shared a hotel room. And then my friend at the time, Carly and Karen, we got them a hotel room. They're from our school as well. They came to help volunteer. And then so we woke up really early Saturday morning. It was like four or five. I don't know. It was really early. We went out there. To, it was at, This is at Lake Bob Sandlin State Park. It's kind of near north of Tyler, Texas. And so we went out there and um, just kind of set up a couple things we needed to set up. And But this day, it was raining all night long. And during the day, I think in the morning it might have rained a little bit. But it was completely muddy. This race was just a complete mud fest. And, um, but luckily, like the park, I know a lot of parks, if it rains, they shut the trails down. Luckily, Lake Bob, they actually let us put the race on still, even though the trails got literally destroyed after, you know, 300 people were running over and over on it in loops. But yeah, we put on, we started the race and it was four, it was three distances. It was 28K, 7K, 50K. And it, it went really smooth. 
actually. I think the only thing that threw that race off was just the mud. But yeah, I really think yeah. that race went really smooth. And I know a few people did get lost at one point in the race. And it was this like was the very first out. loop, right? Yeah, it was the first loop for a bunch of 50K runners. It was like a handful yeah. of them. And this is when I figured out that, okay, I need to change up the science situation. So as a race director, this is a whole learning process. And so, because um, we still have the little white science. So after this, I ended up upgrading to these big, huge orange signs that you can't miss. But anyways, uh, that race was really smooth though. And it was really cool to see a lot of the people's accomplishments. A lot of people, was their first 50K um, and a lot of people ran the, a lot of people ran their biggest distance they've ever ran before. And so that was just awesome to see that. And the community was really cool. Just having, you know, a hundred char runners all together. It's just a lot of fun. Dallas dirt runners came out. Um, we had a couple team dirt and vert runners come out. Um, they're, they're just like local running clubs. And so it was cool to see all of them out there and it was just a fun race. Um, yeah, that was a good race. Yeah, I remember I had to send you out because they do cross the red at one point, so I had to send you out to uh, do some traffic out there. Yeah, direct traffic at one yeah. point. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, it it was a little hard. It, well, it wasn't too difficult doing it two weeks out um, from the Chupacabra to East Texas. I actually, after the first week, I had like a week to where I, I kind of had a lot of time on my hands. So it wasn't too hard, you know, having two, two races two weeks apart. But yeah, that race went really smooth. There, there was one situation to where Karen, our friend Karen, she, she, we had medals and we had 50K, 28K yeah. and 7K medals. And she, at one point, she didn't know the medals were different and she was handing out the wrong medals. And I think she only handed out like two, but I think we, we ended up getting it figured out. But she ended yeah. out like two 50K medals to, to, to like 28K rip. 28k runners i'm pretty sure and uh but we ended up figuring that out though and um getting them the right medals that was kind of funny but yeah and then there was this one guy who he he i don't know his name but he had one loop left and it was really close to cut off and but he he ended up making it and so that was really cool to see him finish because it was the longest he's ever ran before and he like barely made cut off it was like 10 hours or something. I don't remember, remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome to have him finish though. And I think so, they're the last people that were there. Yeah. His wife was there with a tent and yeah. he came in with like a couple minutes to spare. Like yeah. it was close. Yeah. It was, that was cool to see that accomplishment because I mean, seven, 4.1 mile loops is kind of like my, like, especially after like, you know, hundreds of people have ran like these mud ruts are in it and stuff. And so it was, it was cool to see that. And so, yeah, for a little perspective, it was like the trail was completely covered with like three inches of water at some points. Yeah. And that just over, you know, hours of runners running through it, it just became a complete mud fest. It was so bad. Yeah. Like I yeah. remember going and picking up uh, course markings and we would have to go on like the, you know, the wood line to actually get around these huge puddles. So, yeah. And then, that- like you're saying, the people were having to do that for, you know, two or three loops towards the end yeah it's crazy yeah and it was just a lot of people pushed themselves to the like complete limits and it was just oh, awesome yeah. and the mud did not help at all so it was just cool to <laughs> those people you know i get the, there's a picture i got of one of the guys he's wearing the nike trail shirt and uh yeah i think he ended up getting third or something but he yeah, there's a picture of him on the ground and his face is just all pain and uh, that was a cool picture but that kind of summed up the emotions for the race for a lot of people mm-hmm for sure. 
So after that, it was getting ready for the big Texas Diablo. This is one heck of a race, man. <laughs> the Texas Diablo, it was a little controversial. So I called it the hardest marathon in Texas, but it hadn't, it hadn't actually ever been ran before, but I knew it was the hardest marathon in Texas. And um, so I'll, I'll do a little explaining for this, but the marathon, it was a literal marathon, 26.2 mile marathon. And a lot of people took the marathon out of context and thought I meant like, like a, just a trail run in, in general, like it was the hardest run in general. And it's not the Habanero 100 is definitely the hardest run in Texas, but it was the hardest 26.2 mile marathon in Texas that I, that I knew of. Like I researched a lot of runs in Texas and it was the hardest 26. It had over a hundred degree heat, humidity and sand, and it was on trail. And I don't know any other marathon 26, 13.1 mile race that does that in Texas. So, and it's put on in the middle of July, July 24th. It was like one of the hottest. And I purposely chose July 24th because it's one of the hottest um, weekends of Texas historically. And I wanted to put it on somewhere in North Texas because North Texas is one of the most humid regions other than the Houston area, just because of all the lakes that are in North Texas. And so, and I wanted it in a place that was pretty, you know, crazy terrain. And so the LBJ National Grass Grasslands, they have, you know, sand and like all kinds of stuff and it's open. There's not really a lot of tree cover. And so I knew it was going to be a hard race. And there were a lot of people that said, you know, like, oh, this is the hardest race, like Habanero is. And Habanero is the hardest um, race in Texas. But again, this is a 26.2 mile marathon is the hardest marathon in Texas. So um, it was a little controversial, but a lot of people signed up. I think we had 60 or 70 people and uh, man, preparing for this race. Um, I think Asher came the day before. Yeah. You came on the Friday of the race, but because you had a course this, at that point. Yeah. I had the, I had yeah. everything pretty much set up, man. I started all by myself i started course marking setting up tents doing all that on tuesday i, I started course marking tuesday and i course marked six miles out in the heat i did it at like two o'clock in the afternoon in the midday heat so I, you know i definitely got a, a bunch of pain and uh, it was it was pretty crazy um uh, but you know tuesday i went out there course marked wednesday i went out there course marked thursday friday for four days i was course marking because i wanted to make sure people one didn't get lost and two uh, just doing I just didn't have enough storage to carry that 13 miles with the course markings on me. So I wanted, I was just making sure it was milked, marked very well. And so, um, but yeah, I had everything marked and then I had all the aid stations put out and the water situation was a little difficult. So there was water there, but it was non-potable water. But the, I heard um, there were some guys that said that, you know, that's the same water they use in their house. But I didn't want to put people in jeopardy and give them bad water. And then, you know, us get in trouble or a bunch of people get sick. So what I ended up having to do is I went to a Walmart like 30 minutes away. And I was in this little truck. And, you know, the little white truck that we got <laughs> that we pulled the trailer in. And I went up to the Walmart and I had to buy, I bought a ton of five-gallon water jugs, like a ton of them. And um, originally... So I filled them up with the non-potable water and then I went to, and then I tried to get these tabs that iodine of, tablets. Yeah. It was like these tablets yeah. that clean the water. And yeah. I, I tried to do that for just one, but I was working on it for like an hour and it like, it's a big process to like do it. And so I was like, this isn't worth it. 
And so I poured them all out, cleaned them all out. And then Asher came Friday. And when he had came Friday, we actually, we went out to this water mill in Gainesville. That's where I live. And we filled up a bunch of these just five gallon jugs and we loaded the back of our truck up with like tons of water. So it was much like water. 200 gallons of water or something. It was insane. Tons of ice. We went to this ice machine and I had gotten three massive coolers of ice. And so we filled these. Uh, no, it was like four. No, it was like six. We filled up like six coolers full of ice. I don't know how many pounds it was. It, it was plenty though. Uh, yeah. but we had a ton of ice and a ton of water. And so race morning, um, I I was confident in the course markings. I was just hoping that everybody would be able to complete it as safe as possible and that we did everything on our end to help them finish. And so race morning, we woke up again, 4 a.m., something like that, <laughs> something really early. Three, it was like 4 a.m. I think the start time for this was 10 a.m., 10 a.m. in July 20. Yeah, in the middle of July middle of the day started at 10 a.m and so we had some time to set up but we went out there and put out all the water and the ice for the aid stations and then we got all the stuff for food for all the aid stations we had two aid stations with food the others were just water and ice and everybody started showing up about hour two hours from the race and um i was excited i didn't know what to expect the medals were cool Medals are so cool, man. <laughs> the yeah. I, I, the the Texas Diablo medal the, for the marathon was like it's it just this huge medal, like it's a massive. It, it was like the size of my hand. My hand's pretty big, so it was a huge medal. And then the half marathon was actually half the size of the marathon medal because it's only half of the marathon. It's only half of the race they run, so they get half the size. So I thought that was pretty funny. And I actually ordered way too much because we had so many people DNF that. I ended up having so many leftover medals, but the race starts and Asher and them are at the aid station. I think I had, I had you at, you no, I stayed back. Over. I stayed back with you at the yeah. start. Kinsey and Cole, they went out to the first, that main aid station at mile five, maybe. Yeah. It was the one of the ones that was manned. Cause they like had food and everything. Yeah. You were at the, yeah, you were at the start with you. Yeah, so we actually we started the marathon off first at 10 a.m. Then we started the half marathon at 11 a.m. So already, already right off the bat, so we had radios, and I made sure to get radios because there's no, there's not like hardly any service out there. But the radios, and I got these radios that had like super high frequency to where they they could reach really far distances. But when we got out there, the hills and just how everything is, the radios did not work at all so it was so hard to communicate so whenever i realized that this is before the race started i told asher i was like okay you're aid station rover and so you need to come through here every hour and just check on all the water and all the aid stations and then report back to me if anything's going on and so i had asher driving around the whole time and so we start the marathon off and asher's with me and then asher goes out to the midway aid station after that and i think um I forgot exactly. You called me. So I called you because there were runners. Um, and this was like within 30 minutes of the start. There were runners on the road, completely off course where they, you know, weren't supposed to be yeah. asking me. And, you know, I was driving the truck. They were asking me, they were like, Hey, uh, uh, we think we made a wrong turn back there. And I was like, yeah, I think you did. Um, and they were, 
you know, trying to tell me about how they thought the uh, course markings were all off or like somebody had uh, like turned them uh, around or somebody had come mess with them. And so I was like, what in the world is going on? So I got uh, on the phone with you like immediately. Yeah. Ashley called me and he's like, yeah, these two guys, it was first and second place. Yeah. They had, they were on a road. This race was all trail. They they went on a road on one of the roads and they had gone on the roads because they thought that the course markings were wrong. And so Asher calls me and he tells me, and Asher, he didn't course mark. So he knew the course, but he didn't know it like I knew it. So yeah. he wasn't completely sure where they were off at. And so Asher called me and I was like, oh no, I thought I thought I might have mis, mis, like marked something or something. And so he called me and I was like, okay, hurry up and get back here. And this was 10, 15 minutes before the half marathon was starting. Yeah. And I was kind of freaking out. And so but you know, you got to stay calm in these situations. So I was like, Ashley, come back in your truck. Cause Ashley didn't know like what to do in the situation. And so he came flying in on his, tr- in the truck. And I was like, okay, you're going to be race director. You're going to send off these people running the half marathon. I'm going to hop in the truck and go get these guys. So I give Asher like the megaphone and all the race directing stuff. And he goes and Asher sends off the half marathoners as I'm going to get these guys. I go, I drive up the road and there's these guys, two guys running on the road and I see this girl behind them. And I, I was kind of scared. I was like, oh no, is everybody going to get off course? And, but it was only three people and three or four people. And so I see these guys and they're like running out, out of the national park or out, out of the national grasslands. They're like about to run onto the public road. I was like, what are these guys doing? And I, I drove up and I picked them up and I was like, hop in the back. So they hopped in the bed of the truck and I told them, I was like, I'll drop you off. They told me what mile they were at. They were at like mile five, but the closest place I could put them on the trail was mile four and a half or four. So I put them, I, I was driving back and I see this other girl and guy on the road and I tell them, Hey, y'all going the wrong way. Hop in the back of the truck. They hop in the back of the truck. I dropped them off at the mile four aid station and they've already ran like five, six miles. So they're not too happy about it, but I go and check the sign because I'm like, I don't want anybody else to get off course. And before, right before I check the sign, I look at the aid station and there's like 10 people gathered around the ice and water. And so I knew everybody was going the right way. I went to the sign and it was marked out. It was supposed to be marked. And I, I yeah. guess, and it was these big bright orange signs. So uh, I guess they just um, thought it might've went some way. I don't know, but that was kind of a relief knowing that they Asher was able to start them off and then they were able to go the right way. And um, yeah, Asher, man, you just, you felt so much, man, because if you weren't there, I don't know what I would have done, man. It's just always uh, good to have like a, a right-hand man whenever you're doing race directing yeah. and putting on a race. Like I said, it's always an adventure. Yeah. It's always a good time. Yeah. You gotta have, yeah. So I was actually going to say, um, after the first race, after we did, um, the Texas Diablo, I asked Kristen, I was like, like that went really smoothly. Are you like surprised? I, I guess I didn't ask you, but I told you, I was like, like, are you surprised how well it went? Like, you know, just based on your previous experience and you were like, no man, like the entire time I pretty much didn't know what I was doing. I was like, really? Like you, you pulled that off really well for not knowing what you were doing. So, yeah. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like I had everything planned out and everything but there's just some things that you, you just don't expect but yeah you just can't prepare you know i had everything that as a race director i was as fully prepared as possible 
And so, but right. when in the situation, there's just so many things that can happen and so many scenarios that, that go on that you got to be like calm under pressure. And then you just got to make the most logical right decision um, in that moment. And it's like, right. split, like split second decisions and you got to be on your feet. You got to be fast. And so, you know, like internally I was like, I was kind of freaking out a little bit just with a bunch of stuff going on, but you know, I was keeping cool, keeping calm, just calm and collected and just making, cause you know, you're the guy in charge, you're the one running everything. And so, yeah, I mean, and at the end of the day, the reason I said that is because like nobody really knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they're doing. You don't know exactly what you're doing. So, but yeah, so the half marathon marathon was going on and then it was just off to the runners and, you know, I was just hoping everybody can make it across that finish line and be smart with their running. And so the race is going on and about everybody from the marathon, like the top 10 people they were coming through. We had, I think a little over half the field. I think it was 48% of people. They were dropping out 13 miles into the race and they, they were like, no, I'm not doing another one. And people were coming way past because cutoff time was like, I think we had it to where they could run it in eight hours or something or eight or 10 hours. I don't remember exactly. And so they weren't going to make cutoff time and they were coming in their half marathon loop and like a, a time way past the cutoff. So yeah. there were a lot of people dropping out and there was a bunch of half marathoners and they were coming in. And the guy that won the half marathon, he came in flying like it was nothing. That guy just flew through. But a lot of people running the marathon, they were like, the heat was really getting to them. And everyone that came through that ran the half marathon, at least just the first 13 miles, everybody except for like a few, were the heat got to them. They were hurting. The heat was hard. And there were some people that came through that were running the marathon. I was like, I don't know how they're going to do another half marathon loop just because of the condition they were in. They were, it wasn't like they're in like a life-threatening condition. They were just really hot and setting you down. You just tell that they were burning up. Yep. Yeah. And they were they were hurting too. And so uh, – Do you remember everyone, how hot it was that day? Like yeah, it was like – I think the index was – it feels like 107 or something. It was that hot. Yeah, it there. was yeah. – Yeah, it was no joke. Yeah, and every three miles we had water and ice for everybody. So we had everybody – an opportunity every three miles to get water and ice. And so after like two or three hours, stuff started to go down. Um, everyone that came through the half marathon loop that was running the marathon, a lot of them, every single one that dropped out, dropped out for a good reason. And there was nobody that went back out there that shouldn't have gone back out there. They were in a good enough condition to go back out there. And so I, and as a race director, you know, you do want to look out for the safety of everybody. And so um, it's not really up to us to make the calls unless you really feel like it's life-threatening. But, you know, everybody that went back out there, they were in decent condition. And so everyone, a lot of the marathoners came through. And then the half marathoners were coming through. And a lot of people, like, really enjoyed it. And they liked the challenge. And it was a little bit of a challenge for them. But some people, um, it got to them. It's just, like, it, it destroyed them. And it got like a couple hours in and this guy messages me on Facebook that's running the race. And he says, Hey, can you get like an ATV out here or something? I'm like two miles off the, or I'm two miles from the finish and I can't like, I'm under a tree 
and I, I don't know if I can go anymore. So uh, the park, there was this guy before this, before I put on the race, like two days out when I was doing course marking, there was a guy that lived not too far. That was like a park helper. And he said, Hey, here's my number. If you need ATV, anything, give me, give me a call. And so I texted him, but he was actually out of town. He was at Walmart or something like 45 minutes out of town. So he couldn't come with his ATV. So I sent Asher and Cole out and they went out there and I gave them water. Asher came and got water and stuff. And they ran out there and they, they helped the guy. And you want to tell us what that was like? Yeah. So Cole and I ended up driving out, you know, to the closest point where we could dip into the trail and, you know, actually find the guy. So we do that and we find him and sure enough, he's sitting under a tree and he's just burning up. I remember he was like, I can, I can barely walk, you know, for five seconds before I get like the sweats and dizzy and I want to, you know, fall over and his heart, you know, was racing. So it's obviously like the first stages of heat stroke. I mean, heat exhaustion, heat stroke. So, I mean, right when he was telling uh, Cole and I that and Cole's actually an EMT, so he knew how to handle this pretty well. And, uh, you know, one of the things we needed to do for him was like cool him down. So Cole's like, uh, he basically just sent me off. He was like, after you need to go get like some water and I think some salt. I ended up going and like, getting some pickle juice or yeah, something. I remember you came, so, you came and got yeah, it. So, yeah. I sprint down the trail, you know, the two miles of the, it was, it, I don't even think it was two miles. I think he was like a mile away. Oh, okay. So I run back to the finish and I get all this stuff from the aid station. Brisson's seeing me rushing, <laughs> you know, to get all the stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I take off back down the trail and, we, you know, we give him the salts and the, in the water and the ice and he eventually got up and I think he ended up finishing yep. with us. Right. Yeah. He ended up so finishing. Yeah. That yeah, was a yeah. really cool, you know, being able to help him, uh, get him re-upped and onto yeah. the finish. That was really neat. And just for like, we weren't neglecting safety at all. Cole, like I was going to have a EMT on, on site. Cole was a EMT. He was also the photographer. So it was awesome having him there to do both of those jobs and so he was able to handle all the emergencies really well and asher and i we i've been a lifeguard for four years and asher how long have you been a lifeguard like six six yeah Yeah. and so we're certified and we get retrained every two years so i mean we've been certified and we have a lot of knowledge when it comes to this type of stuff and cpr and all this stuff helps a little bit yeah yeah it does help (laughs) definitely helps so, you know, we had a lot of guys that had a lot of certifications and a lot of medical experience out there. And so that was really nice to have. Um, but yeah, that guy ended up finishing. I remember him crossing the line and getting his medal. And uh, I remember, no, this was a marathon guy, but one of the guys crossed the line, just gave me a big hug. And he just slumped on me for like five seconds. And he's just like, you know, pat, pat me on the back. But he was a guy, one of the guys that finished the marathon. But um, yeah, these half marathon people were coming in. A lot of people were finishing. It was everything's going well. There's that one guy with that one incident. But other than that, everything was fine. And then we're like, I don't know, four or five hours in. I don't remember exactly what time. And I had to write a, a report about all of this. And I should have pulled the report up so I could kind of get more accurate description. But we were like a couple hours in. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, bar comes down the road, and it's this girl. And then the, her passenger, one of her friends that ran the race, they all ran the race. One of her friends that ran the half marathon, um, and I'm not going to disclose any names or anything. Just you know, just as out of respect to, um, for these people. But one of these, one of the people, they were having a heat stroke, and 
So we called EMS and Cole and we had like a, um, it was like a park trooper there or something. He was there and we, we had a lot of just like staff on site. Um, a lot of, I forgot exactly what he, it was like a park, park trooper or something. I don't know what his name was, but we had him and Cole and they were all, you know, helping her. And so she, I think she ended up being okay though. And so she EMS took her to the hospital and that was pretty crazy just seeing that. And then a lot of marathoners started coming through and finishing and the finishes were pretty, Oh, there's one guy who ran a half marathon that morning at like six or 7 AM in a different town. Then he drove to our race and ran our half marathon. So that was pretty cool. Um, and he was, he also ran the East Texas ultra too. So that was he cool was guy. the guy, I was actually going to talk about him earlier. He was the guy who's doing a race in every county yeah. in Texas, right? Yeah. 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 That was cool. Yeah. He's doing a race in every county in Texas. So it's cool. I knew his name, but yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be a little tricky when he gets out to West Texas because there's a bunch of counties <laughs> out there with no races, but right. um, yeah, he's a cool guy though. He came out to East Texas ultra and then he was there and he ran a half marathon that morning and came and ran our half marathon right after. So that was pretty awesome. And there were just a lot of really good finishers. There are some people that finished the marathon. Um, the guy that came in first, I forgot what his time was, but he, he did really good. The guy that was in second ended up dropping out like three miles from the finish or something like that, four miles, something like that. It was just too hot. And so, and these guys ended up running like 28 miles, 29 miles instead, because they did go off course. Um, I think it was like 28. I don't remember exactly, but, um, a lot of people finished. It was just a lot of, it was really cool to see a lot of people come through and, uh, there were a few that were hurting really bad when they came through. And so what we did every single time is when they came through, we would pull up a chair for them, like give them the best hospitality as possible, give them all the nutrients they need. And we had a loaded aid station. That, that aid station was loaded. We have like, we had like every food pretty much that you would need for an aid station. So the aid station was solid. And then, um, everyone started finishing and then the cutoff was five o'clock. I think. Yeah, it was. Was it right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it was five o'clock, five, six. It was five, six, or seven, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. And one runner had not finished. And I'm not gonna. I don't want to give any names or disclose any names again or anything like that. But that was a whole thing within itself. Um, But I ended up putting on my vest and I communicated with Asher and asked if because they were sweeping the trails at this time. And they had sweeped everything from mile one to nine. And I had two other buddies, um, Cooper and John. They were they did miles one to four. And then Asher did miles four to nine. Asher, Cole, and Kinsey, y'all did that. And so I went to them and I said, hey, have y'all seen anybody? They said no. And so I knew this person was on mile, between mile nine and 13, this four-mile stretch. So I put on my vest and my water. And I ran out there and I was running on the trails. And then I found them. Um and but there was no service and I was and they were in critical condition. And so I I I I was running as hard as I could to find this person. And in my head I was thinking, okay, did they get off trail? Did they hallucinate and get off trail? And are we gonna have to get Sar out here, search and rescue? Um and I was just hoping they were at least on the trail so we could find them. And they were, and they were in very critical condition. And I I was going like it, it's on my Strava. It was like six something minute pace trying to find this person and, I, and I'm running through sand and it's five o'clock hottest point of the day. 
and I'm running through sand and stuff. And when I find them, I, I throw up a little bit just because of how fast I was running the nerves and just the condition I found them in. I threw up and then I was trying to contact EMS immediately, but there was no service where I was at. And so, but luckily they were only like half a mile from the finish. Like it was not far at all. And so I ran back to the finish and my friend Cooper was there and Asher and all of them at the time, they were cleaning up course markings. And so they didn't, they didn't know any of this was going on, but Cooper was back at base. And so I'm like yelling at Cooper. I said, Hey, call 911. And cause I don't have any service. And then, but when I ran out to him, I get service. So I ended up getting on the phone with the dispatcher and telling them the situation. And then, so they come out, um, well, actually, that had not come out yet. So right here, it's kind of like some, you, you can't, you got to be calm and collected in situations like this. So I told Cooper because they're going to need directions on where to go. So I said, I, I when, as soon as I got off the phone with them, I told Cooper, I said, hey, Cooper, go to this corner of the gate to where the trailhead was. And I said, when EMS gets here, tell them to go down this trail. This is where we're at. So I told him to go do that. And so he went over there and then I went and grabbed my pouch. So that I had my CPR mask, everything I needed. I had water on me. I had a bunch of stuff. And then, so I ran back out, out there on the trail and man, it seemed like I was running when I was running out to get 911 called and running back. It was like slow motion. Like time was just so <laughs> slow. And like, whenever you're in a situation like that, and it's like life or death for somebody, it's like, it's pretty, it's just, it's different, man. And so we get there and we're with them for a long time. It's like, man, every second, it just seems so slow, but we were with them for like 30 minutes or something. And then finally a trooper, one of the park troopers comes out and an EMS, one of the EMS ladies comes out and they assess the situation and they go back and get a backboard and so we we got that person um out and then I followed up with them and it was like it was kind of scary because they did like I'm not going to go into detail because I don't want to disclose anything I shouldn't but they ended, they did end up being okay um and so they did end up making it through the race and everything like that or, and I did give their before I knew the condition they were in before I had searched like right before the race ended I gave one of their friends a race medal so they got the race medal at least um and I, that's before i had before the cutoff had happened and their friend was still out there and so anyways they did end up being okay though and so that was just kind of relieving that they were okay and it's crazy how far people will push themselves and a lot of people push themselves in that race and there there was an, another person that they ended up going in the hospital a couple hours after the race for kidney stones or it was something, I think it was kidney stones or something. And so they ended up going to the hospital for all that, but it was, it was a crazy race, man. Life changing, yeah. matured the heck out of me. And, you know, one big thing is that, um, we, like I, I made sure that people knew what they were getting themselves into. And as far as our end, because like, a lot of people are like probably questioning as far as liability and stuff. Like we had liability insurance and everything like that, but you know, I made sure. And I remember someone, one of the runners commented on this whenever they were at the race, but I put like two, two or three waivers in the thing that says like, I acknowledge 
that I'm going to be running and like heat or I forgot how I worded extreme it. Extreme conditions. Extreme, con- uh, extreme heat. And yeah. that no one is liable if I suffer, you know, any heat related. Right, plenty of disclaimer. Anything. Yeah. I mean, you put it in the name too. So, I mean. Yeah. And then the, the first thing Texas. when they, the first thing when they get on the website is heat warning or something like that. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I made sure people knew and it wasn't like it was something unexpected. So um, a lot of people were willing to put themselves through this. And it well, was crazy. If I can interject, uh, what's crazy is even, I mean, I had been summer. I mean, I had been heat training all summer, right? I mean, yeah. you know, that up in Fayetteville, I'd been running at like 10 a.m. every day where real feel was like 85 to 90. And whenever I was picking up horse barkings and I actually ended up getting kind of turned around back on those trails, um, I like started to feel like the heat and just how much water was getting sucked out of me. And, um, I was actually a little concerned because I think I ended up, I meant to do only like five miles back there, you know, picking up porch markings. And this was that right before or right during the time that you had gone and found the lady on the trail. So, I mean, the heat of the day. Right. And, uh, yeah, I was a little concerned for my own health and safety. You know, I wasn't even running the race. I hadn't even done, you know, 20 miles. I'd only done like five. And so, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. those conditions are no joke. Yep. Joke at all. And yeah, I mean, you know, habanero, it's extremely hot as well. And actually I had a I got a message from somebody, but somebody said that and this is coming from them, not me, that the Texas Diablo is harder than the habanero. The not the not man. the not the habanero hundred, not the hundred miles, but yeah. just just like the distance that's equivalent to a marathon. In right. Habanero, they said that Texas Diablo was way harder than Habanero, yeah. as far as like the 30k or whatever the distance is that equals that. But so, yeah, that was that was interesting to hear. And you know, there's a lot of races. That, there's not a lot of races like that that are in the heat. The only ones I could think right. of is Habanero, put on my trail racing over Texas and Badwater 135. Honestly, and I didn't I didn't say this, but the inspiration for the for the Texas Diablo race, when I first created the company, it was I wanted to create the hardest race possible to where people would push themselves to their yeah. absolute limits. And right. so that's where the Texas Diablo came from. And originally I wanted to do uh like some crazy hundred mile race, but I'm like <laughs> I yeah, that was just an idea. I like you you don't really know. Like you can have these good ideas, but when I, when you actually get out on the field, like it becomes a lot more realistic. So um but yeah, ended up just doing a marathon, starting out with that. And, um, but like Badwater was an inspiration, Badwater 135. And the thing about that is those people, it's like a selection to get into it. And it's some like crazy race, man. And so I've watched Badwater every year and it's a big inspiration race. I want to run it one day. And so this race was kind of, it was inspired by Badwater and the layout and the way in which I did the race was inspired by Badwater. And I'm pretty sure Badwater, I think it's self-support the whole time. Anyways, you have to have a crew support you the whole mm-hmm. time. I don't yeah. think there's aid stations or anything, but um, yeah, we try to create the bad water of Texas as far, as far as just marathon. And man, I think if we did turn it ever turn it into a hundred mile race, I don't, I don't know if it would be possible. <laughs> like yeah, doing so 13, like if we did nine 13 mile loops and made it a hundred mile race, 
I really don't think anybody would finish it because if we started it all day and it went into the next day and it was in the conditions it was in, I really don't think it would be possible. And I just don't think anybody's body can deal with heat that well. Like it's just, yeah. and it's I don't so think, brutal. I don't think it should exist. I don't think races that hard should exist because people will sign up for them and end up hurting themselves for, for, for like hundred mile races at least. And something trail racing over Texas race director, Rob Gwynn told me, he told me, don't make a race. That's too hard. And so I made sure like it wasn't something insane. And I think that's a big thing is like, you don't want to have a race that's too difficult because that's just like, I don't think it's ethically right to, to make a race that, that it's like a night, like it, it's a majority chance that someone will die, you know? And so, yeah, I just don't think that's ethically right unless someone just chooses to go and do it on their own. But I don't know. Who knows? I think if, if there was a selection process and people were like, you had to like run bad water to get into it or something, I think that'd be a little bit different, you know, but who knows? We'll see. But yep. I don't want to make a race that's too hard. I just don't feel like that's ethically right to create a race that's like almost impossible. I don't know. You got the Barkley, but the Barkley's not heat either. It's just pure mental and muscle fatigue. Yep. So, and then we got into the whole debate on which is harder, running and the heat or running elevation gain, like running up mountains and hills. And I think we ended up with heat because the heat's so taxing on the body and just the condition and the brain and the heart. Because and if you're not constantly like getting more electrolytes, getting more fluids, you're not yeah. going to make it. I know it's kind of the same for elevation, but yeah, I mean, uh, running, about the heat. running up a mountain is really just pure muscle. Um, like it's just destroying your mu- leg muscles really. Whereas when you're running in the heat, it's your whole body that's being affected, yeah. not just the like, particular parts of your body. Um, but I don't know. That's a good, I mean, I, I'm going to, and it's going to be biased, but I think heat's harder. Like heat is harder than running up elevation and doing all that. So anyways, that was the Texas Diablo race. And that was crazy, man. We only got mm-hmm. two races left and that both of them were just like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. Yeah. Fun. So, um, but Texas Diablo is huge learning curve, huge, crazy story. And actually I, I don't know where we, I will, or I want to put it on again next year. I might have to wait till the year after, but I don't know if we're going to be able to get it permitted again, just because of all the incidents that happened. And, um, but we're going to see and if we can't, then we're going to try to get it at a new location somewhere in North Texas. And if I can't get it this year, then we're going to actually push it back to we push it to 2023, but we're going to do it again. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to put the race on again. So, um, it just might not be at the same. I hope it can be, but it might not be. We'll yeah. see. But yeah, that was Texas Diablo and that ended off the, the summer. And that was all the summer races, just those three. And all of them were huge learning curves. A ton of work went to the behind the scenes of each one of them. I was working like months, hours and hours every single day on these races and preparing for them and everything. And it was it was a lot, but it pays off for the accomplishments people uh, make and just the personal accomplishments people are able to get from these races. It's just super rewarding to see and be able to provide somebody that experience to be able to go out, see something that's either scenic or something that's life changing and um, how far they're able to push themselves or whatever, what they're able to experience. 
And that's right. something I'm really keen on is like the experience for the runner. And so our races, they're either going to be extremely difficult, push you to your limits, or they're going to be extremely scenic and beautiful. I'm not just going to put on a race just to put on a race and somewhere that's ugly or somewhere that's not going to push you. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to make a standard race. That's just regular. Um, so anyways, next up the backland last man standing. So this is the only last man standing race that doesn't follow the last man standing format. The last man standing formats 4.1 something miles. And it's put on by the same guy that does the Barkley. It's called the big dogs backyard ultra or something like that. Anyways, I wanted my own race because everything's bigger in Texas. So I made the distance bigger and I want it to be its own unique race. So I called it the Backland, which is, I thought it was a cool name, made a cool logo for it. And we put that on, man, I, before that I was out doing trail work out there for like three weekends, like two, three days straight, I'd be out there cutting trail. And so I hand made like 40, 30% of the trail uh for the backland so um mm -hmm. that was a lot of work it was cool making my own hiking trail though so that was pretty neat but anyways the backland was pretty neat asher had come out i think you you come out friday again yeah you came yeah. out friday again for that race you came and so the backland we had i had gotten done with my finals on wednesday and i started heat press the shirts for the event the event was saturday and for events i try to make it to where i get ready for the event by thursday at least and so I heat pressed the shirts. Actually, no, I had the heat, I had the shirts actually. Um, I dropped off at my house. I actually didn't have to heat press them. Uh, so that was nice. But I, I drove home Wednesday night right after I finished my last final. I immediately went and drove home. And then when I had gotten home, it was immediate preparation for the race. Thursday was organizing and stuff with the trailer. And so it only gave me like a day and a half to like go out, course mark, and then actually set up the race. And so, yep, went out on course marked, um, set up tents. And when I had gotten back to my aid station or my tent, my little race directing tent I had, it was actually blown over like on, I think it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. And I had went back after course marking and it was blown over. And so I have a lot of instances to where I show up at an aid station and it's blown over or something. But, <laughs> but, uh, and then I ended up staking them down and kind of adjusting them to the wind. But, Ashred came Friday evening and we, it, this was at Lake Texoma, um, Texas on the Texas, Oklahoma border. And Asher had came out Friday and also after my last final. Yeah. He had came right after his final. And then, so I was excited upon this. I think we had like 20 people signed up something. So it was a good amount of people. And I didn't know if we were going to be out there for two days, three days. So I brought sleeping bags and all kinds of stuff. And we had a pretty loaded aid station. And so uh, we put on the race Saturday. I think it started at 9. Yep, started at 9 a.m. This was like a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago or something. And but actually the day before the race, I was like, Astro, I was like, I might run the race. You want to race direct while I run the race? And he's like, yeah, I can do that for you. But I ended up race directing the first two laps of the race and then hopping in after. But we'll get into that. But we put we started the race at 9 a.m. and I think pretty much everybody showed up and it looked like a bunch of tough cats out there. And uh, Asher's dad is an ultra ultra trail runner, and Asher's dad had actually came out, and so he had come out, and uh, that was cool to see him running. But um, how this race worked is you run four and a half miles, and then at, and you have to run it in an hour. And at the start of every hour, 
is we start the loop. So you run four and a half miles and then at 10 a.m. we start the other loop, 11 a.m., 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 p.m. We, we start a loop every hour. And so the first few loops go through and everybody's doing pretty good. And I hop in in the third loop and I'm like, all right, Asher, you're a race director now. And so I hopped in the third loop and I ran five loops. I think I ran 20 something miles and it was like dry air, but it was cool talking with a lot of the people, a lot of the participants and how it worked is the winner would get a big trophy and a six pack of beer. And we got, we got 903 Brewers, which is a local brewing company in Sherman Denison area, North Texas. We got them to sponsor the event. So we got free beer and they gave us a ton of beer, dude. They gave us like so much beer. I still have some something beers. It was pretty <laughs> insane. And I have my TABC license, by the way. So I was able to like, you know, mess with the beer and give it to people. And everyone that was in the race was over 21. So ended up being okay. But um, the race started and it was going good. There were people, a lot of people pushed themselves and a lot of people were dropping out after the marathon 50K point. That's when a lot of people started dropping. And the, whenever they finished, they would get a cool backland t-shirt. And so we'd give them that. And it, it was just its own unique race. And how the how it worked is you ran down the road a mile, ran down a mile. So you ran two miles worth of road. And then you go through these ATV trails for like a mile. And then the last mile, you go through my hand cut trail, which is like these hog track trails. That's like super Barkley style. And so it, it, they got a little bit of all the terrain, which I think they appreciated that. Um, so yeah, I hopped in and I kept on going. I, I went for five hours, I think. And then the air started getting dry. I was coughing and I was like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to have to stay up. And I got a race track still. So I stopped and I got my miles in for the week. So I, I like ran like 22 or something. And then, uh, people started dropping out and everything. And right before dark, this is the crazy part. Right before dark, we, one of the guys, I'm at the aid station. Asher and Kenzie are down at the tent. And one of the racers walk up to me and he's like, and I'm at the aid station eating food um, because I had just gotten to running. And he was like, yeah, there was a guy out there with a crossbow and a guy with the AR-15. And like they were, they like ran over my course signs or your course signs and stuff like that. And he's telling me all this. And all of a sudden I hear this guy yelling, coming through the finish saying, there's guys out there with guns and he's like cussing, cussing at Asher and Kinsey and stuff. And so this race was on public land and we had course markings and signs that, that people knew that there was a race going on. And the person over the, the resort, it was at Walnut Creek resort. He had put out a post on Facebook that the race was happening. And so everybody knew there's a race going on. And what happened was there were hunters that came through. It was two guys with AR 15s and the guy with the, in camouflage with a bow and they came and they ran over my course signs, getting to back into this trail. And they had went back there blocking the trail. Like there, you, you couldn't squeeze through it. Like you have to like pick up limbs to get through how they parked and they blocked the trail. And then they went back there hunting and they were sitting in trees with camouflage as the guys were running through. And it freaked, well, it freaked one of them out. The other guys just were like, didn't really care. They're like, whatever. Um, because I mean, trail running, if you do trail running, especially in Arkansas, you know, that there's hunters out there. <laughs> but so I think the hunters ended up picking up um, that they weren't going to get anything with runners coming through. So they ended up going back in the woods somewhere. And, but one of the guys like was not having it and he ended up dropping, dropping right after that. And, but he ended up being cool after I talked to him like 
30 minutes, hour later, and he, he cooled off. And so everybody else was still going, though. And so I had went out there with this guy named Rusty. He's the guy that was over the resort. I went out there with Rusty, and we went out there, and we cut the limbs off. The, the There were limbs touching the sides of the truck. So we cut the limbs off so that runners could come through. And so, but they ended up leaving after dark anyways. And uh, it started getting really cold. It was so cold, dude. I forgot about how cold it was. It was so cold and windy. Uh, but that night it was super cold, but we got a fire started. We had three guys left. And I think the fire just like really made a lot of th- those last few guys just drop. Um, cause, Cause it was just so warm. And those guys were at like 40 something, 48 miles or something, 45 miles. So it came down to <clears throat> the last two guys. One guy looked really good. Like he said, he was willing to go 100 miles. The other guy ran the farthest he's ever ran before. So, um, but the guy ended up winning at with 49.5 miles, 11 loops, 11 hours. And so he ended up winning the backland, the first ever inaugural backland. I'm going to put that thing on every day till the day I die. So, but he finished and we, I went back and then we cleaned up the next morning. That was it. The next weekend, put on the Cook County Patriot 5K. It's just a local 5K I put on here in Gainesville. It's my hometown. And so it just means a lot to me. And it's a very patriotic town. I'm a patriotic person. So it's called the Cook County Patriot 5K. It's just this fun little 5K. Nothing really crazy happened there. The wind was just, you know, pretty crazy. Put that one on. Asher didn't make that one. But um, put that one on like the weekend before last. And that was it. So that was all of... 20. How'd that go? Was, were there any difficulties? Were there any um, putting up the arch? Yeah, we we had an inflatable arch. This is the only race I put up a like a big inflatable arch for. Yeah, and I put up the arch, and then the wind was blowing so bad that it was like blowing over and stuff. And we had it weighted <laughs> down with these like five gallon water jugs, and I had like t- eight of them, and but it just didn't work, and so we had to deflate it, and then we had to figure out a new starting line system. But we got it figured out though. One of my volunteers didn't show up, and so I ended up sending Carly out, which is my girlfriend. She was there helping. She was supposed to run the race, but I ended up sitting her out there, and she was in a traffic vest and a stop sign telling the cars to stop. <laughs> so um, she, I gave her a 5K middle for that, though. So, But that was pretty much all of 2021, all the races. And next year, we got nine. No, we're putting on like eight races and a lot of them are during the summer going to san antonio and a lot of these races were adding distances so it's now the chupacabra 50 so it's a 50 miler now and then i got a two races in, near san antonio area and so uh, i'm excited for what's to come and so far i mean it's just been awesome all the support from trail runners in the area and um yeah it was a crazy year definitely a lot of learning for sure yeah so you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I'm on the same page. Just uh, it's obviously super exciting every single race that we get to put on and all the new things we get to experience. I think one of my favorite things by far has been just the race environment. You know, I mean, even as race directors, we get out there and it feels like race day. I mean, because you and I know what race day feels like for ourselves. So, you know, whenever we're out there, even though we're not on the starting line, we can tell, you know, yeah. people are amped, people are ready to go, people are yep. ready to race. And, it, and I think it, that's what makes it so special. Yep. And just putting on the race itself was so physically exhausting. 
it's like yeah. a race within itself but it's so worth it though and, it's so worth it yeah and it's so fun it's so fun putting on races and yeah. i've noticed though each time i put on a race when i wake up that morning it becomes less nerves and just more confidence just because each race you put on you get more confidence and so you kind of know what to do in certain situations and so you know the 5k i wasn't too nervous for it. i was just really confident in it and it was the second year i was putting that one on and so it was the first one i ever put on last in 2020 so yeah it was fun though and I'm excited for 2022. It's going to be crazy, crazy year. We got a ton of races. We got races every, the month of May, we have a race every weekend. So that should be interesting. Uh, we have two, we have the Chupacabra, East Texas Ultra, then Asher's going to be actually race directing his own race in Little Rock, Arkansas at Burns Park. And so it's a trail race. And he's going to be putting that on under Texas Outlaw. And that's going to be his race. So he's going to race direct. He's going to be you know, operate that fully. And then we have a race like every two weeks, two or three weeks during the summer. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, and then, yeah, just improved. It's just like every race you learn something new. And so like I'm able to improve from every race, you know, and yep. by the way, for the back of the next year, we're doing prize money. So we got like a three, I might raise it to 500, but we got a $300 reward for whoever gets, whoever's the last man standing next year. So for any of the listeners out there that are even slightly interested in the backland, I would definitely recommend just like, it's such an environment to be in. And then that style race is something you have to experience. Yeah. Like you just have to. Yeah. It's different. It's, it's, it's fun. It's like a game. And then it's, yeah, I was, I was, cause I came off of like an injury and cross country training and I was running like 40 miles a week, whatever. And so running 22 miles, I was like, man, like this is just running and then stopping, running and stopping. I was like, it's just like muscle exhaustion, like muscles. And it really, like, it gave me 50 K flashbacks from when we ran that 50 K. So, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I think if, if you're listening and there's any race that you should run, it needs to be the Chupacabra for sure. Chupacabra was the coolest race. Chupacabra. Yep. Would you agree with that? Like the most so. scenic? Chupa, yeah, Chupacabra for the scenery. Yep. Texas Diablo if you want to really challenge yourself. And or backland. the backland. Yeah. yeah. One of the two. And then East Texas Ultra is just fun. It's like a party. Yeah. Every four miles you see people. And it's... it's Big um, race, lots of people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's under a bunch of pine trees. It's really really amazing trail. It's so well kept. So it's a lot of fun. And then the if you're up in North, you know the local Gainesville area, Cook County, Denton area, Dallas Dallas Texas area, we got the 5K. If you want to come run a fun, it's the only road race we do every year. It's the only road one we do. I do want to do more in the future, but yeah. So I think that's pretty much pretty much everything. Um, you got any last words, Asher? I was going to say in this next year, we'll be able to talk about the three more that we're adding yeah. and how, you know, what kind of person you are and if you need to come run this or this. Or this. Yeah. It'll be, yeah. be cool to, to see. And I want to make an effort to try and record every race and post it. So I could have like a vlog of every race, but I do want to document every race in like personal journal, journal or video. So that way, because yeah. it, yeah, it's just, it's awesome. So. That's everything, though. Uh, if you really enjoyed the show, guys, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating. If you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll down, leave us, a, leave us a rating on there. And if you leave us a rating, I'll mention you in the next show. Um, we do the show every month. I've been doing it monthly. And also, we 
Um, if you're interested in the races, go to texasoutlawrunning.com slash races. And the whole race calendar is on there. You got all the races going on. And I'm excited to see where this goes. And I think that's pretty much everything. So um, thank you all for tuning in and listening. And I'll see you all in the next episode.